0: I'm Roy Crown from Revelation Trust and welcome to this week's Gospel Entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I'll be finding out what makes Christian entrepreneurs stand out wherever they find themselves. Today, I'm joined by a great friend, Steve G, a vineyard pastor based out of Central Vineyard, He's an amazing guy, a great friend. We work together, some great stories. So sit back and listen to my conversation with Steve G. So, Steve, tell us a bit about you're based in Northampton.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're currently based in Northampton. We've been here for 15, nearly 16 years. And so we moved here with the intention of planting a church. And when I say we, it was me and my wife, no team. And so we literally rocked up here, settled into life here. I'd love to say that it was easy from day one, uh, but it wasn't. In fact, our story is a story that is rooted in failure, really. That's a good
0: start, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) That probably encourages everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When we landed in Northampton, we had a small group of people who were interested, I guess, in the romance of church planting. And slowly over that first year, we grew from about 14, 15 people to five. Oh, great. And and so things kind of went in the wrong direction. And I, I guess we spent that whole year life felt quite tough you know we were trying to start a family i don't recommend planting a church and trying to start a family but that's what we decided to do tammy my wife was in and out of hospital and stuff like that i was struggling to find work outside of church so i was a bivocational church planter so i needed to raise my own income and I was struggling to find work. So we were having to live off savings and stuff like that. The house we were living in got burgled twice. Oh man. We decided not to renew the contract at the end of the year to not to renew the contract on the house we were renting because it was burgled twice. We thought we'd found somewhere else to live and a week before moving that fell through. And so after being in Northampton for a year, church planting, living the dream, we had depleted our savings, I had a wife who was in and out of hospital, I couldn't find any work, and we were homeless. And so you can imagine, when circumstances go that way, you kind of question whether you're doing the right thing or not. And so that was the kind of quest that we went on, we was like, Lord, if are you telling us something? Maybe we're fired, maybe, uh, maybe this is it, maybe this is the end of the story. And so we inquired of some wise counsel around us and said, hey, these are the things that have gone wrong. Do you think, you know, we should get real jobs and just...
0: You still connected to vineyard at that point? Were you kind of commissioned by them?
1: We've been part of the vineyard for about 25 years. I know I don't look old enough. We had actually, actually accidentally planted a church beforehand in our hometown, which kind of happened because we just gathered friends Primarily doing things like alpha in people's living rooms and stuff like that. And we led what became Daventry Vineyard for about three years before coming here to Northampton. And so I guess, yeah, so after all that disaster in that first year, we were questioning our calling, I suppose, and questioning whether we got this thing right. Someone, Someone I met with who was much wiser than me just said, you know what, you've had a really tough year. Why don't you take six months off? and start again we were there wasn't a
0: lot to start again with
1: (laughs) (laughs) but we were like well if we're allowed to do that we'll give that a go so you know we said to the three remaining people that we'll be your friends but we won't be your pastors for the next six months and we're gonna recharge and recalibrate and figure out how we might be able to do this again and I think there's something in that um, you know, that kind of tenacity to think, okay, this is, this hasn't worked first time out the door, but maybe we can have another go, and, and we did change our strategy, you know, I said we, we accidentally planted a church before, which was very relational, it was my hometown, I knew lots of people, which meant the church grew quite quickly, but it, that was also to our detriment, because there was people in the church who knew me when I was about two foot high you know so that you know that was that was quite difficult you know Jesus said a prophet is without honour in his hometown and it kind of felt like that and then when we came to Northampton we tried the same strategy sort of gathering people relationally and it just felt really difficult and so actually a mentor of mine said you know you can plant a church, you know, a, one small group at a time, or you can do it in reverse. What would it look like if you were to launch something and see who shows up? Uh, and so that's, that's essentially what we did. We managed to talk the manager of a, a cinema complex into letting us use their cafe area. And basically what we did was we discovered that people go to the cinema on Sunday morning. I didn't realise this. And so the first showings would be about 10am. And so everybody would filter into the cinema at 10. By 10.30, they would turn off all the background music. And so whilst the first showing of whatever was on was happening, we got to do church in this upper room of this cafe in a cinema. And we had no idea who would show up. And so because I'm such a man of faith, I messaged every pastor that friend I knew and said could we hire some of your people this Sunday and I guess my biggest goal was like I don't want to go home feeling depressed so as long as there's like 20 30 people in the room I will feel like my life is worthwhile and so we hired a crowd we had some people come and do worship for us and stuff like that I think I probably preached but to our surprise a whole bunch of people we didn't know showed up this is before the age of social media, and so there wasn't any kind of mass marketing. Basically, what happened was my wife and another lady in our church who had a baby in a push chair, they delivered thousands of leaflets to homes around the venue where we were meeting. And so literally as a result of that, we had like 10 or 15 people we'd never met before show up. So we did that for a season Meeting in a cinema was really expensive, so we nearly bankrupted the church. So any income we had, we spent on this venue. But actually, after six months of doing that consistently, we realised there was like thirty or forty people. We didn't need to rent a crowd anymore, and we realised we had a we had a church on our hands. And then we kind of did that work of starting small groups and you know doing pastoral. So how
0: long ago was that, Steve?
1: So that was back in February 2006.
0: Okay, And and would you have said, um, obviously, living with failure, some might be listening to this and just quit throwing the towel, kind of. Um, What was the spark that said, let's have another go? Was it the person alongside you? Was it just your spirit entrepreneurially to say, it's not over, we'll have another go? Or what was it?
1: Yeah, I think it was a mix of all of those things. I've had a sense of calling as a church planter really since I was a teenager. I remember coming across a set of teaching tapes by John Wimber, who's the founder of the Vineyard uh, Family of Churches. And he he did a set of teaching tapes, that's how old it is, on God's Heart for Expansion. And basically it was his primer on church planting. And I remember listening to those tapes as a 16, 17 year old not fully understanding everything he talked about, but knowing that that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. That that, that was the thing that God had called me to do. And so I think there was that drive. I guess I was in my 20s. And so not wanting to be seen as a failure meant (laughs) I need to give this another go. I need to try again. And I also remember John Mumford, who used to oversee the vineyard here in the UK and Ireland I remember him telling a story of how some of the big corporations would often send out people for different startups and maybe they would do three or four at the same time and three of them would fail it wasn't a case of those people were you know left on the rubbish heap they come back to base they assessed why it went wrong and they went again I think that was kind of one of our drivers, like, okay, we we didn't get this quite right the first time. We didn't kind of contextualise where we were enough to fully understand what would be the best strategy. And so I think it was a whole mix of those things.
0: Big word that, Steve, contextualise. Now, now, what size are you now, Steve? So a few years on, um, a few more failures um, down the road. Where are you now?
1: Pre-COVID. We had grown to um, around 600 adults and children across four locations. I always say it's been slow and steady. And it probably was for the first sort of eight years. You know, slow and steady, adding people ones and twos and seeing people come so We've always been like maybe a third of our church are people who are already here based in Northampton. Another third would have been people who are new to faith or perhaps re-exploring faith. And another third would be those new to the community. And so that's always been the kind of growth in, in the life of the church. I guess back in 2017, we really just felt like the Lord speak to us about multiplication. And so what what would it mean for us to be a church that multiplies? And back then, it was just a case of on a Sunday morning, we were running out of space. We took a bit of a step of faith and we said, "Okay, we're going to multiply our services. We're going to do two services back to back. They're going to be identical. And we said to the church, just choose one. And so we did that. And really what happened in the space of a year was we went from one overflowing service to two overflowing services on a sunday and we realized that oh we need to keep multiplying and so um, so what's
0: the secret steve what 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 were you doing that others weren't because you're also quite entrepreneurial you do a lot in the community you have a strong community involvement you've been quite innovative in Mm -hmm. some of the things you've done do you think well give us one of those that you've done steve but
1: People understand the vineyard family of churches for different reasons, whether it's worship, whether it's healing, all of those things that people like John Wimber brought to the table. But I guess another element of the vineyard is compassion. You know, we often talk about the two legs of the vineyard is worship and compassion. John Wimber famously said, if you're not going to serve the poor, then you can't put the name vineyard above the door. Wow. Wow. And so really from the outset of our church community, we've always been a church that sought to serve the poor and the marginalised in our community. I remember way back in the early days, probably pre-failure, when we had a small number of people meeting in living rooms, we, we were contacted by a single mom in our community. She said, I'm, I'm not sure if you can help me. She said, I've got I've got nothing. The council have put me in this house. There's no carpets. There's no curtains. You know, my kids are sleeping on mattresses on the floor. And she said, but a friend of mine told me to see if there was a vineyard church because wow. they help. I remember sharing that with this group of people and said, we've got a reputation to live up to. And so we met with this mum and we said, what would be the best thing we could do to serve you? And she said, I would love a washing machine. And so this... Small group of people kind of clubbed together, bought, bought a washed machine, plumbed it in. I think some people went and helped make over a garden and stuff like that. And did this lady fall to her knees and surrender her life to Jesus? No. But she did help set something in our DNA that said, actually, we're going to be a church for the poor and marginalized. And I guess from that, things have just escalated. And so We launched a food bank before food banks were a thing. And all we did was we collected food at the back of church on a Sunday. And someone in church would interact with different agencies and say, if you know anybody in need who would benefit from this, then we would love to help. And that's basically how, how we did it. Fast forward two years on from there. Obviously the recession hit, austerity and all of that. And I remember our local council contacting me wanting to talk about the food bank and I, I I kind of ignored it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just like I'm, I'm not interested in getting involved in politics you know that was that was my, <laughs> my and, and eventually this woman tracked me down again she said I don't think you understand I want to give you some money and I was like well okay just make the check out too and she was like no you don't understand I want to give you 50,000 pounds and I was like okay when can we meet (laughs) and I guess that was the catalyst it was quite funny to think that all that our compassion ministry has become was a seed money from from the local authority but that kind of took on a whole life of its own so we do a whole bunch of things food bank we do something called grow baby which is clothing for babies and stuff like that where we've actually got what we call the grow baby boutique where all the clothes are sorted onto rails we've created like a shop atmosphere where parents have the dignity of coming and choosing items for their child all, all free of charge we do a whole bunch of things around mentoring some of the people who are coming through our different services So a number of our service users or guests, as we call them, they eventually become volunteers. And some of them even go on to step back into the work environment and their life moves on.
0: And obviously, Steve, you may not be running all those things, but you've seen the need and you've initiated that to move a church from five to 600. You've obviously made some big transitions, some big life-changing decisional moments that that yeah. as an entrepreneur, as someone that hey, you had a calling on your life as a teenager, but you've also a number can't transition from a hundred to two hundred. You you you've kind of initiated stuff. What's the secret, Steve? Because it doesn't look like you're failing too much at the moment.
1: <laughs> if only you knew the inner workings of my mind. Just to cap off your previous question, I think One of the things the Lord said to us was if we took care of the poor, he would take care of the church. And so I think an element of what we've experienced, particularly in the last four or five years, has been some of it is the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And some of it has been that we've sown lots of seed in one place, but we may have reaped in other places. And so there's definitely been a correlation between us sowing seed with the poor and marginalized in our community not necessarily seeing all of those people come to faith although we have seen that journey but the flip side of that is that we've reaped in other places you know I guess the other thing for me is that I think when we when our church was about 200 and they often talk about don't they that churches get stuck at that 200 barrier I'm not sure I'd like to think of it as a barrier, but churches get stuck there and I think the key to getting over some of those barriers is leadership and the way you shape your leadership I think we realize that well I've all I've always attempted to surround myself with people who are better than me it makes me look good if nothing else you know it's just like (laughs) but you know like you know for example our compassion ministry it's gone way beyond anything that I would have ever done simply because we put the right people with the right giftings in place and I guess that's been true of the church as well we've we've had to reposition ourselves as leaders constantly as this thing has grown I guess the flip side of that is you know there was a season where we woke up every Sunday And the reality was we'd never led a church this size before, you know, and then, oh, there's a whole bunch of more new people coming. And so there's been that constant need to evolve and shift our our leadership. I guess that isn't a case of us. Oh, we're going to the lofty heights of superiority and we're removing ourselves from the people. But it is about being more strategic with the relationships that you have. And so I guess for us, that big transition was we spent a lot of time at the front door with yep. new people and we spent a lot of time with developing leaders. Those were the two key areas that we spent much of our time.
0: And even your own personal development, Steve, because the way you lead a church at 600 is very different to lead in 15 or 100. So, so you obviously had to rethink what you did and how you did it in that yeah. context as well yeah, and absolutely. some people can't transition there either they, they they struggle with that don't they Steve
1: yeah absolutely I, I think you know particularly if you're you know when you think about the five-fold ministry if you're leaning towards pastor teacher then actually 50 100 people will keep a pastor teacher busy for the rest of his life and so there is that that constant choice of almost stepping back (laughs) rather than you know stepping up the triangle you're constantly doing yourself out of a job constantly thinking about who can I raise up to do this you know we've always said if they can do it like 60 70 percent as well as we can it's their job to do
0: Steve if I mean obviously you your journey amazing where you are if somebody's listening to this and thinking so what kind of church leader, should we be recruiting um should they be entrepreneurial would you have called yourself an entrepreneur or would you just said well i've got a calling on my life but you've clearly been very entrepreneurial in taking on a cinema that was a bit of a step now you've got a facility you've got building you've got staff you've got a massive budget you've got a vast what how do we recruit the next steve g so that we get the best out of that entrepreneurial leadership to plant church?
1: That's a good question. Cause um, we are actually in that process at the moment. So my wife and I are going to be handing over the leadership of the church next summer. And uh, we're going to be planting a new church again, mm-hmm. um, which sounds crazy. Cause I'm in my forties. What would it look like? What would that look like? I think, I think in church planting circles or, or in churches like ours, we can wait around for that couple or that individual to suddenly have this encounter with God that says, you know, you are going to be the next church planter or the next leader of this ministry or the next pioneer of this thing. And we can have this mentality that if we just wait around long enough, those people will appear. And I suddenly had this realisation A few years ago now that actually one of my roles is to help make those people and so we can't just wait around for them if we wait around for those people to appear we won't get the task done it's a case of learning to identify
0: yeah you've got to see something in them
1: yeah learning to identify who those people are you know and there are some really simple things we can do to identify people who have that kind of pioneering spirit you know and I often think it's the ones that show up early and go home late you know it's the ones who are who want to read the things that you're reading the ones who ask the awkward questions the ones that might irritate you a little bit you know because they're kind of pushing the boundaries in some ways and so it's learning that skill of identifying and then putting some consistent training around people I think one of the things that we want to do in this next season is figure out some intentional ways that we can train future church planters but not just church planters pioneering leaders people who want to make things happen and bring new things to life you know and so we're just working through what would that look like for us to have a intentional process that we can help people journey through so they can step into their, their call. Uh, and we really feel that's part of this, the next chapter for us. And then you've got to release them. <laughs> you know, you've got to give them the opportunities
0: um, to fail or to yeah. succeed.
1: Absolutely. We have a saying in the vineyard is don't trust the leader without a limp. Uh, you know, someone who's got it all together with no brokenness in their story are a recipe
0: for danger. Yeah, that's a bit like the Titanic, isn't it? Uh, That kind of scenario. He'd never, anyway. But so, Steve, we're almost coming into land. Uh, It's been great to to listen to your story. Um, Obviously, you're in another transition, but just anyone listening to this that kind of they may not identify, they may not think, what would you say to them? to say you might have it in you maybe as a teenager you had a thought or what what's the next steps for them they may not be connected to vineyard or they could be in anger they could be in any church network what 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 should they do with that
1: anybody wrestling with a a sense of calling whatever that might be i think it's good to look at the opportunities that are arranging what doors are opening to me yeah um what opportunities do I have I think you know there is that kind of age-old wrestle between what are the desires of my heart or what desires does God give me you know but what's in our hearts to do I remember you know sitting in a room full of slightly older people than me when I was in my late teens and having to go around the room and say what's God called you to do and and we're just like I've got to be honest (laughs) I've got to say this out loud but there is a reality that God will plant seeds in our hearts we need to inspire us to 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 move forward Tim Keller says we need to to recognize what other people see in us yeah so to have mentors and leaders around us who can pull out the gold so often we can be blindsided to what what's on our own lives and so and we don't
0: believe in ourselves enough do they what god has given us and
1: absolutely and And i think you know there is a reality that sometimes you can't put put in someone what god hasn't deposited you know but i do think that anyone with a sense of calling or a sense of yeah, this is, this is what God could be doing. I think there are some really intentional things that you can do. In, you know, in our context, we invite people into a conversation and it becomes a very relational journey, you know. So, you know, we don't make any promises uh, or guarantees, but we say, well, let's relationally walk through this together. And then we have some ways of trying to help people discover what, what calling might look like.
0: Yeah, because in the end, you've got that internal battle in your head as well. Am I any good at this? Is this actually... And you need a friend, someone alongside that believes in you and believes God in you um, that will actually say, no, keep going. I think you've got something. I think God's in you, with you, and this is the calling. Steve, what a story what a story 15 down to five or four was it and now yeah. you're at 600 and ministry all over the place well done amazing and now you're letting it all go laying it down and starting again yeah. um entrepreneur is just written all over you you're, you're either crazy or god's in it which is yeah. a great way to live
1: yeah probably crazy and probably god might be in it as well Who know <laughs>
0: Thanks, Steve, for joining me today. I found it amazing that Steve had the call of God to plant churches as a teenager. Maybe you're listening to this or you know someone that's a teenager and they've got a call on their life for an anointing. Wasn't it amazing that Steve in his first year declined and it didn't work, but the resilience The going again has caused him to do some amazing work. Thanks, Steve. I'll be back next Tuesday with another guest. But until then, you can hear all previous episodes on the UCB Player app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed Gospel Entrepreneurs, we would also love for you to leave a review if you can. That would be great. Thanks for listening. It's been great to be with you. Gospel Entrepreneurs is a UCB podcast in partnership with Revelation Trust. That's revelationtrust.org. God bless you until we meet again.